Hello, everyone. Oh, it's so great to be back in 2023 um, sharing some great information with you. Uh, I just told you we have like some amazing people coming on and I'm so excited to have this guest on tonight. Um, she is a gem in the, uh, in the field. She is amazing. And, um, I, I could say so much about it, but I'll let her tell you about her. Um, but tonight's guest is Jamila Bashir, the IEP coach. And I'm so excited to have her on the Advocate for Me podcast. Um, Advocate for Me, our mission and goal is to offer resources, advocacy, and training. And our podcast is one of those resources. And it also is to um, advocate and build up families so that they can learn new information and carry it out so that they can fulfill the purpose for their child. So without further ado, I want to introduce to you our guest, Jamila Bashir. Hey, Jamila. Hey, everybody. Hey, Levine. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. It was a long time coming. As you've been on the list, and I was like, <laughs> "Let me get her. She coming this year." We be having our little breaks in the middle, but I definitely was like, "Yes, Jamila is coming on." Um, the great thing about Jamila is she also was one of our honorees for our award ceremony, and I I put this beautiful woman down on the list because she is doing some amazing things and when you hear the name IEP coach you're like wait like I need help with my IEP and you come running to her to get more information so Jamila can you share how share your like share who Jamila Bashir is first of all and then tell us how you came up with being the IEP coach Sure, sure, sure. So again, I am Jamila Bashir and I'm from Philadelphia, born and raised. And special education has been my background. Um, that's what I went to college for. Um, I got I also earned two master's degrees, one in um reading education, and then I got um, you know, I went into special education supervision, curriculum and instruction, and principal, although I have no desire ever in life to be a principal. Um, so that's just always, <laughs> special education has always been my background. And I went into that because I have a, a sibling. My little sister has an intellectual disability. So as I was learning in school, I would pass the information on to my mother. So, you know, it was kind of like we were both learning together. And then once my sister got to like adulthood, my mother um, has been like a resource for like other parents, help helping them, helping to connect them with resources in the community that they can, um, you know, utilize, you know, just help them with their child. And so, again, that's always been my background. And that's the reason why I've been so passionate about special education because of my sister. Now, when I started, as I started teaching, um, I was a SPED teacher for about a little over 14 years before I became a special education supervisor. And when I was teaching, I always got a lot of questions from colleagues who would come to me for help you know, for IEP, for write, um, for help with writing a specific goal for IEP or how to work something on an IEP. And then when I went from learning support to emotional support and I was tracking progress monitoring behavior and things like that, a lot of my colleagues was coming to me um, for help with creating behavior goals, help and just help with just behaviors that they had. 
uh, with any particular students in the classroom. So that was at work. Outside of work, people started asking me questions, especially after I published my book, Because of Her, which was a true story of what it was like growing up with a sibling with a disability. I got hit with a lot of questions, you know, and I don't mind answering simple stuff, but again, you're not going to pick my brain for free. Mm -hmm. so I had to figure out, okay, what am I doing with this? I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, you know what? Let me just post about things I do in my classroom, strategies, tips. Let me do that. Cause someone said, you know, someone said, Oh, why don't you post about it? And I was like, all right. Then someone was like, you should go live. And, I'm, and mind you, I never went live. I literally would log out of my social media for like two weeks at a time before coming back. And I went live and it went good. So I just started like doing tips again. I didn't have a name yet. I didn't know what I was doing was consulting. I didn't know what I was doing. So then someone reached out to me on my Instagram page and asked me if I would be on their podcast. And this was, and the podcast was called walking with Freya and the, the person doing the podcast, her daughter has special needs. So I was like, Oh, this is perfect. So once I come on for the interview, she was like, Oh my gosh, I love that coaching you do. I love that IEP coaching that you do. And I was like, Oh, IEP coach. I like that name. I'm going to call myself that. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna call my business that the IEP coach at LC. Cause I was like, that's what I like to, I can talk about the IEP all day. Like, and I don't get mm. tired of it. I don't get tired of helping people. I don't get tired of helping people understand it, read an IEP, all that. Ask me as many questions as you can. After you've paid your fee, ask me all the, all the questions. <laughs> and then I also enjoy coaching teachers. So especially special education teachers, because I know what it's like to be a special education teacher and we don't get PD tailored to our needs. So the IEP coach, we've helped principals keep their special education teachers from leaving by providing them with the support tailored to their needs so that they're more likely to stay in the field because they feel supported, they have the resources, and they have someone that they can, um, you know, get questions answered and get advice. Because just think, when I was in a classroom, it was a lot of trial and error. And I was lucky enough that I had an old head teacher who was willing to take me under their wing so that way I could learn. A lot of teachers don't have that, and it's just trial and error. And just think, how many lawsuits can, you can get in doing trial and error? And just think, mm -hmm. you had me, the IEP coach, come into your school. I can do group coaching. I can do PD for you. We can tailor, especially to what you need. That benefits the students. That benefits the teachers. That benefits the school. And you're more likely to be in compliance and not get sued. That, that's like a, that's like a no brainer. And then I also support, we also support parents too, because if our parents are more educated and they, they are more confident to advocate for their children and advocate for themselves, if they are educated on just the special education process, the IEP process to expect, they're more likely to be better advocates for themselves and their children. So at the IEP Coach LLC, we serve teachers and we serve parents. Awesome. And I, I, we've known each other for like a couple of years. And when I met you through a mutual uh, guest that was on the show and a mutual friend, um, Thomasina Lee, that's how she introduced you. She was like, 
oh, Levine, you know the IEP coach? And I was like, no, who the IEP coach? Where's she at? And I was like, I need to know her. Like, because now people like, I've been getting is, yes, I need to meet her. Right. And now people are like, you're the IEP coach. When someone asked me that outside of, you know, just social media, I was like, oh, they recognize me in the street by the IEP coach. I said, oh, <laughs> hey, I must be doing something good, you know. Yeah. You definitely are like, um, so Jamila has been on our workshop, and when I tell you that she breaks down the IEP, whoo, like it, she makes it sound so simple. As a parent of a child that had an IFSP and an IEP, and that actually started my journey into being in special education. I was just like floor. I was sitting there like writing notes and I be sharing her um like I share her workshop piece with some of my students. <laughs> I'm like, did y'all hear what she just said? Like, yeah, like do that and listen to the and break down this part. And this is what you do for the strategies, and this is what you do for the, like she will break that thing down. And like, how did you get to the point where like I know you said you could talk about the IEP all day long, but how did you get to the point where you can like have a conversation with someone and be able to take the details from the IEP? Because a lot of parents look at it and it's uh, it's more than ten pages, front back. how much they type 40, in it. It's gonna be like 40, 50 pages, and if you're trying yes. to a lot of needs, it'll be even thicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um. So how can how do how am I able to break that down for parents? Um, well, what has helped me is I don't rush parents, and I never rushed parents during IEP meetings. So by me doing that, that allowed me to listen to what their questions really were, and then being able to answer their questions and take my time to answer it that helped me to see like, okay, where do I need to spend more time explaining it? Because a lot of times in my experience, this may have been, let's say the parents, maybe third IEP. And I've said this a lot of times, but no one at that first IEP meeting that they had, no one explained it from beginning to end. So now fast forward to some years, I'm like, when I say, oh, do you have questions? And I'm literally stopping after sections like, do you have any questions about this section? Please stop me if I talk too fast. It's okay. I'm not offended. Ask me whatever question you have. You know what I mean? Making them feel comfortable to ask a question and to know that no question is stupid and no question, you know what I mean? Like whatever question you got, I'm serious. Ask me. And I think by being, by having kind of, kind of developing a rapport with parents like that, that just helped me to see like where in the IEP do parents get most confused at. And a lot of times it's not that confusing. It's just when you don't know what the acronyms mean and you don't know the lingo, I think that is what really trips parents up. But once they know what, oh, IEP means this, uh, ER means this, <clears throat> a, um, a PBSP is this. It's like, oh, okay, that's what that is. And this is what it's for. It's like, oh, okay, I got it now. It's not really so much the document. <laughs> it is a lot. But when when I'm able to break it down by section, it's like it's more di digestible. 
And I would agree being a parent on that side, you know, with me being at the table, um, both like both sides as a professional and as a parent, as a parent, sometimes you feel like intimidated, especially if you don't know the lingo and the acronyms and what they're saying. And a lot of times I've know I, I've sat at this table um, before being in special education and just listening to what they're saying about my child. And sometimes it, 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 it takes a toll on you as a parent to hear some of the things that they're saying. And so as a parent, you making them feel comfortable and asking them after every section, do you have any questions? It's okay to ask questions. Like I commend you on that. Cause sometimes I've been in IEP meetings where they just talking over me and I don't get to say so, you know, but the person that I've always been is I'm advocating for my child. So right. I'm going to ask a question or can you explain this to me? But some parents, they, they don't, feel like they have the the option to ask that. So sometimes they're signing those IEPs without even questioning what's actually in it. And so I commend you on that, making the parent feel comfortable and making them be able to understand exactly what they're about to sign, because that is a legal document. Right. And like some parents don't understand that. Like I'm signing this and I'm giving them permission to, you know, offer these strategies and um, accommodations and modifications for my child, but do I understand exactly what they're doing? Um, and then on the back end, are they really implementing and <laughs> offering those modifications for my child and actually being, actually having a voice for your child when you see that they're not doing those things for your child? So can you speak on that a little bit? Like if a parent is in the IEP meeting and they know that the modifications um, and accommodations that is supposed to be in their child's classroom or given to their child because of their special needs? Like what kind of voice do they have um, when they're experiencing that? Well, I always tell parents that they are one of the most, well, let me back, take a step back. It's really a team. It really is supposed to be a team joint effort in creating the IEP. You have the parent who's an integral player on the team. The student is the main player on the team. And then you have all the other team members, the teachers, related service providers, the nurse, the, the counselor, all that. You know, all of you, all of us make up the IEP team. And it's very unfortunate when you don't feel like you're a part of the team, you feel like okay, they just telling me about it and they're making all the decisions without me. And I know that that is what a lot of parents have experienced, you know, with the IEP process. So parents, just so you know, you are an integral team member on the IEP team. And if there is something that you want in your child's IEP based off of their needs, definitely speak up and say, I need this in my child's IEP. For instance, you may feel your child needs testing accommodations. The school may say, no, you say, no, my son needs or my daughter needs these testing accommodations. They need extra time. Or my child needs extra time to complete tests in the classroom. And you know what I mean? Be very detailed and be specific. Um, because that's what the whole point of the IEP is for. Now, they may need that accommodation now. They may not need it next year, but they need it now. 
So definitely speak up and please amplify your voice because if you keep your mouth closed, the teachers, the rest of the team, they're not going to know that your child may need that because, and your child may perform differently in school than they do at home. Because I've definitely experienced that. I've had a mom say, oh, he does da 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 and this and this and this, but we're not seeing it at school. And I had to explain to mom, this IEP is for school. Not saying that we're not going to support you, but the support you need is at home, not at school. So being able to decipher that as well, that this IEP is not for your home, it is for school, um, to just be specific to what your child needs and if there actually is a need for it. Sometimes parents may request something just because they want to request it. And I'm like, your child don't need this. The data shows your child don't need it. So make sure it's a need and not a want as well. But whatever your child needs, you can request it at any time in an IEP meeting. There were times where, I mean, I, English was my content area as I was doing, um, you know, as we were going through the year, I was seeing that a particular accommodation that I was doing in my classroom was benefiting the student. And I called, I talked to their case manager to talk to their parent to say, like, let's get this added to the IEPs because this is going to help them when they take tests. You know, so there were times I would ask the parent, is it all right if we add this? You know, other times parents would say, well, you know, Miss Vesher, what do you think? Because I had a good rapport with the parents, they asked me what did I think about what they were proposing. And then I would give them my honest opinion. But also you just want to make sure that whatever accommodation you are saying that your child needs, that they actually have a need for it and just um, just advocate for it. You can call a meeting at any time, parents. It doesn't have to be just at that annual meeting. If you want to call a meeting at the beginning of the year to meet with your child's teachers, to just let the teachers know, like, listen, my child learns like this. They do da-da-da and blah-blah-blah. Listen, if this happens, call me or call this person and call that. You can do that. I've had parents do that plenty of times. You can call them. You can call an informal meeting. You can call a, a, you can call a meeting at any time. And don't let no one tell you that you can't. You can. Yeah, I know. I called quite a few. <laughs> My son um, with his 504 plan because um, he had a feeding tube. And so every time he had a new teacher or a new nurse in the building, I was like, we need a meeting. <laughs> and they like, oh, okay, Ms. McMillan, um, when you're available. And, um, so, and then I would have the whole entire team, the nurse, the teacher, the um, special services team. Mm -hmm. If the teacher wasn't able to come in, I had to have a representative from the class. And um, we went over like everything that was in his 504 plan, as well as in case of an emergency, if his tube was to come out. Because with that, he would have to be at the children's hospital within 30 minutes before um his uh, incision in his stomach closes. So I'm like, y'all can't just treat this like, oh, that fell out and keep going going. This is, this is an emergency. So we had like a whole game plan. Just luckily, it never came out at school. <laughs> but we had a whole game plan um, as to what to do. And I think that made them feel comfortable. Um, 
instead of me just, you know, dropping him off at school and, you know, this is his 504 plan and us creating that that one time, but it, it set the tone for the school year. Um, so very, definitely. Yeah, that's very helpful. I think also, too, when parents are able to tell us, you know, what it is. I remember I had one parent, she got mad at me because it's not funny, but it was... Um, it was a very busy, it wasn't back to school night. It was just like an open house for parents to just, oh, here you can meet the teacher. This is what eighth grade is going to be like, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, et cetera, right? And so, um, you know, all the students, especially fifth graders, they're all new. So the mom was sharing something. And then later on, she said, well, you didn't write anything down. And da-da-da. she's getting mad at me. I'm like, ma'am, I was all over the place, ma'am. I was going from you to another parent to another. I said, ma'am, I was all over the place. I said, I did not forget you at all. And I had to like kind of put her at ease. I'm like, I did not forget you. I did not forget our conversation. I do remember our conversation. But at the same time, um, fifth grade is a big transition for a lot. I want to say for a lot of parents and the student. They're being held accountable more. And so her son is being held accountable more. Um, in fifth grade and also because he had a um, he was a student who had toileting needs um, in his IEP because he had a um, a, 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 a kidney issue um, there were some things that she that I want to say his family just allowed him to do that was not acceptable in school so it was like that she was kind of having to learn how to hold him accountable because she did not before prior mm. so it was a and, and I had explained to her like I'm not ignoring you and I'm not I'm not disregarding your feelings now that he is in fifth grade he is going to be held accountable more here because the goal is not for him to have his uh para all the time when he is capable and able to let us know he has to go to the bathroom or he or the fact that we send him to the bathroom every single class so he's getting more into the habit of let oh let me just go to the bathroom without sitting there waiting for someone to tell him. You know what I mean? So it's like, sometimes it, sometimes even being with an IP team, parents may not like the push that the school gives um, because they are used to certain accommodations that were, I'll say acceptable in elementary, but they're not so acceptable in middle school because middle school, they're being held accountable. Now, really, now that depends on the needs of the kid. If, you know, your child has a lot of major needs, then yes, we may do certain accommodations in, in middle school. But one of my biggest, biggest things I always um, goals for my, my students were, was that I need you to be more independent than what you came. I need you to leave my class. I need you to leave this school year being more independent than what you came. And the reason that was a goal for me was because just having my little sister, nobody cares she has a disability. If we're not, don't nobody care. We care because we're her family, but nobody else cares. And I can't expect someone else to care that my sister has a disability and to help her if when she's out in the community and we're not around. And I always would push my students like, okay, if they ask me a question, I'm like, okay, well, how can we solve that? Because I need you to start thinking about how can I solve my problems without falling apart with how can I solve my problem who can I go to to help me with my problem 
especially once they get to middle school, because there may be a time I'm not around, your mom that's not around, your dad, your grandma, whoever takes care of you may not be around. And you have to be able to identify, well, I know when this happens, I'm supposed to do this, or I need to go find an adult that can help me. And I think that's very important that we um, push our students, not, not just our students with special needs, but push all of our kids to do that. So that way it's building critical thinking skills and problem solving skills so that they're not always reliant on you because there is gonna be a time you're not going to be around and they're gonna have to function. And sometimes that is very uncomfortable for parents when, you know, with children that have special needs. Yeah, that definitely is. But that that's the main goal is to teach them to right. be more independent. And I, I like how you said the critical thinking and problem solving, because I know for me that until the, like the last two, three years, like I was always like answering stuff for my son or, you know, um, if he needed help with something, like I'm right there. And I, I had to step back actually during the pandemic and be like, wait, let me allow him to figure that out. Because now he's transitioning to high school. And I'm like, yeah, dude, it's all you. I kind of started doing it before, like in middle school. But with the pandemic happening, he was home majority of that time. So now that he was going into high school, I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, how do you feel about this? And how do you feel about your nurse coming to your school? And he, he was able to voice his opinion. So we changed like his whole plan with his nurse and all that stuff because he went, he was like, I just want to go to high school and be a kid. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, we can do that. Like, is that what you want to do? Um, so, you know, he, he, I, I try to teach him now to have more of a voice and to um, give his opinion um, and talk, talk it out with whoever the adult may be, if it's a teacher, principal, family member, like talk it out so that we all can come to some type of agreement um, as to what's the best interest for him. So I am loving this conversation. I told y'all Jamila is the truth. So I'm about to I'm about to spin the topic a little and talk about being a sibling. Um I know just watching my two kids, they're like five years apart. And so Jordan was five when I had Jada and he had just got his feet into. So Jada's whole entire life. She's seen, she has seen Jordan with his feet in two. So I remember, and I might have shared this with the audience before, but I remember Jada, I was um, with Jordan's feet in tube. I used to have to insert it myself. So I used to have to change it and everything. So this particular time, Jordan's um, NG tube came out. And so Jada at two, went to go get everything. She got the gall. She got the, the new NG too. Like she, <laughs> she went and got everything. Like we started like calling her like the oh, little nurse. Yes. She knew what to get. Like I used to have all his stuff set up and she went and got everything. She's like, mommy, you ready? And I'm like, what you about to do? I was like, don't do that. <laughs> she was 
she looked like she tried to do it herself. And I was like, oh, no, you can't do it. I said, you can help mommy, but you can't do it yourself. And Jordan was like, mommy, don't let her touch me. <laughs> and so I always tease them. Like, even now, like, she runs out the, you know, she, you know, when his nurse comes, she asks her questions. Like, she is so involved in, like, his, um, you know, his regimen and stuff and what he has to do. And so, like, being a sibling, like, you're in the midst of it. Like, sometimes you might have to grow up sooner than you, sooner than, you you know, you think you have to because you're looking out for your siblings. Mm -hmm. And I know just in, you know, growing up with my younger brothers, you know, I'm the oldest. So I'm, like, always protective of them and, you know, looking out for them. And so I know, like, even with Jada at school with Jordan, she'd be like, somebody was talking about him and, and I said, that's my brother. And it, so I was like, so I know that whole sibling um, relationship. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that and how, as a sibling, you, you're put in that position because of you, you love your sibling and how that, that correlates with you and starting your business? Yeah, so I can I can definitely relate to that. Um, I am six years older than um, my little sister Asia. So, like growing up, after I'll say, like of course, I was a little um, disappointed at first when I when my mom told me that. Well, she told me and my sister that know that our little sister was, was having would have special needs or whatever at first we understand it but then it was like oh okay because she seemed like any other kid but you know as we as she got older you know we could see you know where she had trouble or whatever so there were times like you know you felt embarrassed or whatever but then I know out in the street what I didn't want nobody coming near us talking to us because <laughs> it was just like I'm like what are you over here for you know, I became very overprotective. So, like, I I couldn't even relax when I was outside because I wanted to make sure that my sister was fine. Nobody was bothering her or anything. Um, I can remember one time, and I talk about it in my book, um, this boy, I knew he was making fun of my sister, but she didn't know. Yo, I was ready to fight. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I'll say me and our other sisters are, like, we she's very our sister Asia is very precious to us very near and dear to us so we really you know she sees the good in everybody she wants to help you know and you know she just want to be treated like everybody else even though she has her you know limitations and I was telling my mom I said mom there are gonna be times you're gonna have to treat her the age that she is and then on the other times you're gonna have to say, well, I see you need a little help here because she needs help in that moment. And it's like we're gonna have to always shuffle that because she is an adult, but in some aspects, she needs our help. And I said we just have to fluctuate through that. Um, however, you know, we still were able to, you know, have that big sister, little sister relationship. We argue, um, she's very mischievous. <laughs> she's very like sneaky sometimes and I'm just like you know if she don't want to do something she don't want to do it but I really like the fact that she 
does the best that she can. You know, she is able to recognize when she's not doing the best, doing her best and when she is. And then also just understanding that I'm blessed that my sister can talk to me. I'm blessed that she can hear, she can see, she has her, she's able to use all her senses and she's able to have a conversation. She's very social, you know, she doesn't have any other um, limitations because, hey, this could be worse. You know, she could be a quadriplegic person who can't talk at all, you know, and I'm not saying anything bad to anyone who is a quadriplegic or anything like that, but I'm like, I remember thinking like, oh my God, my sister never got a chance to do this or do this, do this. And I remember I I was crying, but then I said, as quickly as I started crying, I wiped my face. I was like, it could be so much worse. It could be a much more severe situation, but it's not. And I'm blessed for that. You know, our family is blessed, you know, for that. Like we, we are able to enjoy experiences with her. She's able to tell us how she feel. She's able to do, she, she, she is independent to a certain extent, you know, and that she will always try to do things herself first, you know? So it, it's, it's a blessing. She's, she, she really has brought so much joy to my life, to my family's life. And if she, if she was not my sister, I don't even know if I would be in this line of work to tell you the truth. And I don't think I would be in this line of work because I had no desire ever in life to be to go into to go into education of any kind. So I think, you know, God blessed me with my sister because he knew the type, he knew the type of work I needed to do. And he knew that I would need this connection to help me have a passion for what I'm doing. Exactly. Like most people that um, have family members um, with disabilities, um, we kind of like fall into (laughs) special education in some way, some form, somehow, whether it's consulting, becoming a SPED teacher, um, writing books. Like we always somehow, some way, like find our purpose. I always say Jordan was like my purpose not that my daughter is not but Jordan was the the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing now with advocate for me so I totally relate with you on that um just uh like when he was in the NICU when he was premature like I used to question God like why me like I was pregnant with a few of my other friends was pregnant at the same time and their babies came out full term. And like, I used to always just question it. Like, why me? Like, I, you know, I don't, I never did nothing wrong. Like no drugs, no alcohol, like none of that stuff. Like why my baby got to suffer like this. And um, now 15 years later, I'm like, okay, so we wrote a, a children's book. We wrote, you know, like we did all these things based around like his experiences and I'm like okay God now I understand um so definitely um and that I'm laughing when you was talking about the whole sibling thing because that that's definitely Jordan and Jada right <laughs> and she like I said she's younger but she is so protective over him um so I, we're going to have to get you to come on again for a part two, because I'm going to need you to come on here and 
break down this IEP for our audience. But um, what would you? <laughs> yeah, like, like the um, the previous workshop that we did, um, it is on YouTube, so you 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 can see Jamila on there. I believe I made it public. I don't know. I gotta check because before I had it private. Um, I gotta check. I, I, if it's not pri- if it's not public, I will make it public. Um, because when I tell you she break that thing, I think you only had like fifteen minutes to a half an hour, right? Yeah, I think I had like a yeah. And I I used every minute the half hour, so I was like, you know what? Which sections are most important? Let me just focus on those. And that's what I did. And I was like, oh, I must have did a good job. <laughs> yes, I had so many people because we did um like surveys at the end and so many people said the same thing that you you talked about of how you break it down so that they can understand it and that's exactly what people were saying in the surveys like she broke down the IEP so that I could understand it she was so much you know have her back and I was like oh oh my gosh that just yes yes so you definitely like and like I said even as a parent like you broke it down to something like I was like, oh, I didn't even know that. Like, I didn't know that part. And like, even now while I'm in school uh, for my master's in special education, like some of the stuff that you said in the workshop, like I understand it now while I'm in class. I'm like, yep, Jamila said that. Mm -hmm." (laughs) I I remember she said that. And I remember she said that's what that acronym means. So um, definitely, like you said, God leads you right. And he led you right into your purpose and your path in life to help others. Um, and I'm so honored that Thomasina was like, let me introduce you to the IEP coach because just watching you from that day and, you know, the, I, I don't know how many, I don't even know how many years that's been. Uh, three? Because it, yeah, it was at her book event. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, it was at her book event when she launched her. I met you and I met, um, What's the woman that has the school? Oh gosh, um, she got an award too. She does trainings and stuff. Oh, uh, Dr. Presley. Yes, and Dr. Presley was there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dr. Presley is a uh, Thomasina's mentor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember. Yes. I remember. I was like, "Yep," because I, I remember we exchanged. You had your electronic business card. I didn't have an electronic mm-hmm. business card yet, and I was just like, "Oh, that's nice." And we've been connected ever since. <laughs> yes. Look, I don't even look. I I used it, but then the pandemic, I really didn't need it because I, I wasn't going to. So I I have not used that thing in a while. I gotta search it up for <laughs> thinking. But yes, so it's definitely been a pleasure having you on the podcast. So, what is one thing that you would share with our audience? And then please tell our audience how they can follow you and contact you. Sure, sure, sure. So, one thing that I want to share with the audience is to speak up. Please don't keep your mouths closed. You have to amplify yourself. You have to amplify your voice and you can't always rely on someone else to do that for you. So never underestimate your voice because your voice is very strong. It is very powerful. And when you use it well, you will see the results that you want to see. Uh, I want to, I'll leave that. Um, every, you all can follow me um, on all social media platforms. 
Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm at the IEP Coach LLC. Uh, my website is IEPCoachLLC.com. That is my plan. That is my the name on all platforms: TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I keep it. I keep it very consistent. Very consistent. Also, when you go to my um to any of my social media pages. Um, you can click on my link at my link tree. It will connect you to my email. It will connect you to all of my other platforms. And also um, it will give you some freebies. I have a freebie for principals, teachers, parents. It also gives you a link to my master IP course. Oh, that's my baby. Um, so that's the course where I'm going from the, I, I'm going, I'm breaking down the IP from beginning to end in three parts. Um, again, because I break it down so that it is digestible for you. So definitely take advantage of that. And then if you need a consultation or you can look at our other services that the IP Coach LLC provides. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm just going to attest that Jamila is a great resource. Um, when Advocate for Me uh, gets phone calls from parents and I'm listening to them and what their concerns may be or you know, what help they need, like Jamila name a pop up in my head. And so I'm like on the phone texting her <laughs> while we're at work, like Jamila, I got this parent today that needed this, 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 and this. She like, oh yeah, you can give them my email or my, you know, share my information and she is on it. And so I want to personally thank her for being a resource for advocate for me and helping you know, the families that have reached out to me and then re being referred to the IEP coach for further assistance. So thank you so much for your wealth of knowledge and what you do for the community is definitely needed. And I want to commend you, sis, tonight. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for your platform, all that you do connecting um families with resources because that's a that's another love of mine um because i feel like if we connect them with the resources you know the earlier the better you know the more um the more support that they will have and, and the more the the child will thrive so i do commend you in all of the work that you do i don't know where you sleep <laughs> but I, I told one of the teachers today i don't <laughs> Like I don't sleep. I, I take catnips. Yeah, I commend you because I'm just like I don't even know. Like it is it, just always so much that needs to be done. And you know what I mean? You just you just make it look so seamless and you get it done, you do it, and you, you hey, you you're like a, a you're like a blessing to so many people, so many families, and I commend you on all the work that you do. Oh, I appreciate you, Queen. Appreciate you. So <laughs> I'ma let her go. Um, yeah, we gonna have to schedule another one, part two. Um, yes. oh, I love when I have guests on the show because they come, they come with so much knowledge and they come with so much power um, that we need to put on these families so that they can be, you know, they can go in knowing more information than what they did before um, with the assistance of so many people like you. Um, so we will be in touch. Um, until next time, we are going to enjoy our moments, 
take a deep breath, advocate for our families, advocate for ourselves, and advocate for our children. And we're going to keep the ball rolling each day by day as we learn more and move forward and doing what we need to do for our children. So again, Jamila, thank you for coming on. And until next time.